be, right? Amen. Amen. Brother Xavier Franklin got a feeling like morning service in here tonight. Don't be mad at him. He ain't singing to you. He's singing to Jesus Christ. That's who we should be singing to. So if you're feeling down, suck up some of that energy he got. Because that's what I'm going to do. Amen. Good job, my brother, for leading the songs. Thank you, Brother Henry Dawn, for the prayer and reading of the scripture. And thank you all for being here. Um, you guys have been praying for me and my family. And I sit, we sit down and we, we listen to, you know, people read their cards and we listen to people say, East Baltimore just is such a loving congregation. You know, and they did this for us and they did that for us. But it's something totally different when you are the one that's receiving the love. And the love that we received from this congregation, we have never experienced before. Never experienced it before. See, you take it for granted because you're young and you grow up and you see it. But when you experience it, it's a whole nother ball game. A support system will keep your head above water, literally. It will keep you from drowning. It will keep you from being in a place that you could be. But if it wasn't for them, you don't have to be there. I was just thinking about the transition that we're going through as a family. And while I was thinking of that transition, I was thinking of how I thought it was going to go. I was trying to think of this master plan on how to get this thing. I said, how can I make this change? And I got all my things laid out. But I'm afraid to execute it. People say, bro, try this. Try this. I, say, I, got, I just got to make sure everything is perfect so I know it's going to work. But God said, no, that, 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 that's not walking by faith. You know, put the plan together and go for it. So the whole time I'm putting this plan together, I'm standing on the edge of a cliff. And I'm at the edge of the cliff, and I'm saying, all right, I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump. I said, no, I don't think it's a good idea to jump. I better climb down. <laughs> so I say, I'm going to climb down. But while I'm sitting there and I'm deciding on what I'm going to do, I feel this big foot behind me. Okay. Just kick me off the mountain. Uh -oh. Boom! Next thing you know, I'm in the air. Okay. And while I'm in the air, it's a little ear in my little voice in my ear saying, flap. I say, flap. Brother, flap. So I start to, I start to flap. Next thing you know, I ain't going down no more. Now I'm going up. Come to realize God gave me some wings. I had no idea. But if it wasn't for him kicking me off the mountain, and show me that I got some wings. Y'all right. okay. know where I'm going at. I got some wings. Okay. And y'all got some wings. Because right. that's God's plan for his children is for us to have wings. Right. Right. And to float on those wings. Okay. And those wings are called faith. Amen. You got to have faith. Amen. And that's not tied into my sermon, but I wanted to tell you guys as an encouragement. Just to know this is not for nothing. Right. We're not here this evening for nothing. We didn't come here this morning for nothing. You dealing with people at your job talking about you is not for nothing. Okay. You dealing with people that don't like you is not for nothing. Right. You getting persecuted because you standing up for Christ is not for nothing. Right. The persecution that we're going to come into in the future right. is not for nothing. Okay. It's all for a reason. Amen. We got to share in this persecution right. that Christ shared in with us. Okay. That he told us that we were going to get in. Yes. That he told us which was going to come. We got to share in the persecution if we want to share in his glory. Amen. Now we can get into the to the sermon. No, no, no. I know. I'll get an invitation. Now we ready. 
Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6. And I'm going to start reading at verse 1 through verse 3. And it says, And it came to pass when, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and the daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. And they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. Now, before we get into actually this scripture, I want to just kind of lay out some background for you. And that's that when the Godhead created man, they created man in the first chapter. He created the heavens and the earth first in chapter one. Then you read in chapter two, you see that God created man and set man in order. Okay. Know that God has a plan, but Satan also has a plan as well. See, God's plan is that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. But Satan's plan, he came to kill, to steal and to destroy. And he's a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. He is not the choice you want to make. Okay. See, God set forth a plan for man. He set man in order. Right. But as soon as those things got set in place in chapter two in chapter three, here comes Satan and his plan. All right. And what he did was he used the serpent and he used the serpent to speak to Eve to beguile her in order to eat the fruit that was forbidden for her to eat. Right. She could eat of all of the fruits right. of the tree that was in the garden besides the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay. That was the tree that she was not supposed to eat from. Okay. But of course, Satan has a plan and Satan's plan was to bring birth to sin. Okay. So he brings birth to sin when she eats of the fruit. Okay. And now she's in a situation where sin is born. Right. They're ashamed of being naked and they are guilty distance away from God. Right. Now, God has a plan. Yeah. God's plan is that he's going to make this thing right. Uh -huh. So what God does is God says, you know what? In Genesis 3.15, you'll read that he prophesies how I'm going to make this thing right. Okay. He said, from a seed, I'm going to bring forth one that's going to bruise the head okay. of Satan. Right. That's going to be my son, my savior. It's going to be prophesied through the whole Old Testament right. that this is how man is going to be reconciled back to God. Yes, we understand that that's what's going on. That's what's taking place. But now God has to lay out the groundwork. Okay. So what he does, he has Adam and Eve bring forth sons and daughters. They were supposed to be fruitful and multiply. I was told them to do that in the first chapter of Genesis. But while they were being fruitful and multiply, now because of sin, because of Satan's plan, you got two sides. You got Cain and you got Abel. Now, Cain gave up a sacrifice to God that was not pleasing. Abel gave up a sacrifice that was pleasing. So you got a righteous side and you got an unrighteous side. You got a godly side and you got an ungodly side. So knowing that these two sides exist, of course, Cain, because in this life that we live, if you bring forth righteousness, unrighteousness got a problem with that. So now the fact that he's jealous and the fact that he's not getting his sacrifice welcomed or received, he got a problem. So he sets it up so that he can get Abel by himself and he slays him. Now, once he slays him, so now we got the second attempt of Satan's plan. Now he's trying to take out the whole side. 
for Abel. He said, you know, I'm going to just take out Abel altogether. That's going to get rid of the righteous side. Oh, but God. He said, I got another plan. Satan got a plan, but God got another plan. So he say, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give you another son to replace Abel. His name is going to be Seth. And what you're going to do is Cain is going to bring forth a lineage called the Canaanites. And Seth is going to bring forth a lineage called the Sethonites. And what's going to happen is there's going to be a godly side and an ungodly side. Even though you destroyed, I replaced because I got a plan. So now this plan is set up. And that's where we begin in chapter number six. Now, when you read this, understand that it says that. And when it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, which was a good thing and daughters were born unto them. Next in chapter in verse two, it says that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. Now, realize what that's saying. Some would tell you that the sons of God were angels. Some would say that the sons of God were they, they weren't humans. But when you read that and you start first, if you go to Mark and you go to Mark chapter uh, 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 12, I think it's verse five or so. It tells you that in the afterlife or when you are as angels, because when they was asking about Pharisees were asking about, well, what happens when you if a, if a man had a wife and he died, and he didn't give her children. And then she had a brother and then he gave her children or he didn't give her children. Then another brother. What would happen? Who's going to be married to her in the afterlife? And he said, there is no marriage in the afterlife. He said, you will not be given one another in marriage. These men, if they were to be angels, they cannot give to one another in marriage. So we know that these sons of God ain't angels. So who are they? I'll tell you who they are. They are godly men of the lineage of Seth. That's who they are. And next on the other side, it says the daughters of men that they were fed. The daughters of men, they are the ungodly lineage of Canaan. And they are the daughters that came about. So now when you go down and you see who we're dealing with, it says, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Here is the issue. Amen. We like to pick wives. But sometimes when we choose our wives, we don't choose them based off the right credentials. We don't look at the right things we're supposed to look at. We don't make the decision based off of godly favor, but more than what we want for ourselves. See, when they looking over here, obviously, the, the, I'm pretty sure that there was uh, women in the, the Sethite family, okay. I would want to say. Okay. So what, what's wrong with them? There must have been some difference between the Canaanite women and the Sethite women or the righteous women and unrighteous women. Enough for them to say, you know what? I don't care about her keeping the house cooking and cleaning. That ain't the one I want. I want the one that go out, eat out. And mean. That's the one I want. That's the one you're going to get. And like my mentor and father, Brother Bethia, says she might be worn and torn. There you go. So realize that they're in a situation where they're already starting off on the wrong, the wrong track. And they're on the wrong track because they're in a situation where they got what they're supposed to have. God would not have them to intermarry with the ungodly. God would not have them to be unequally yoked, as your Bible would say in the New Testament. Unequally yoked is not the way that God wants you to have in relationships, friendships, nor marriage. So they're already going down the wrong path. Then it says that in the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he is also his flesh. Yet his days shall be in hundred and twenty years. Realize something. 
when that says the spirit won't always strive for man. See, God wants for us to be saved. God has a plan. Remember, he got a plan for us. Please, if you don't get nothing else from this sermon, get that God has a plan. And his plan is for all of us to be saved, all of us to be reconciled to him. So he got a plan that he's trying to. So in this situation, he's saying, listen, I'm trying, but my spirit is not always going to strive with man. When he says strive, he means like it's not going to keep fighting with you. It's not going to keep struggling with you. It's not going to keep trying to get you to do right. And as a matter of fact, you're going down the wrong road. And from what I can see, I'm only going to have to give you another 120 years. And it says yet. Remember what it says? It says, yet his days shall be 120 years. Now, that yet is in spite of, meaning that even though you deserve death right now because of this mingling and intertwining of the righteous with the unrighteous, you deserve death right now because I know where it's going at. And as a matter of fact, we in that same time today, the same time today, as a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that if God had not shortened the days, then none of us will be saved. Go to Matthew. Let me show you real because some of y'all was looking like that ain't true. Let me show you. Go to Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to read it real quick. Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to start at verse number 21. It says, For then shall be great tribulation. Such as not seen, such, such as was not since the beginning of the world. This is what we're talking about right now. At this time, no, nor never shall be. Meaning that the evilness that you've seen that we're talking about in Noah's day, that same evilness is going to be here in this day. That same evil time that caused God to say, I've had it. They got to go. That's the same way it's going to be. In this time. And then he says in verse in the next verse, he says, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, thank God for the elect. Those days shall be shortened, meaning that stuff going to get so bad. Stuff going to get so evil. People going to start doing all the craziest, craziest things you can think of that if it not for God shortening the time, none, all of us will be corrupted in sin. All of it. If you think you're righteous, if God say he wouldn't shorten this and none of y'all would be in here, wouldn't be no church of Christ. But thank God for the elect. Because he said for the elect's sake, I'll shorten those days. Go back to Genesis 6. So we in Genesis 6, it says next in the verse 4, it says there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were old men of renown. Now these when they begin to have children with these women, see, these women were fair. These women were probably in good shape. They probably were strong. There's something about them. They ain't like about the righteous women. So they had to have something on them. So they say, you know what? I like the way she looked. She probably had some strong babies and she go over and now they start having babies. And now they said it was giants during this time. But these giants, they were known for they were like celebrity status, like they were known for being tough, to being strong, for being bully tyrant like. That's what they were like. They was like, if I say the name LeBron James, you know, he played basketball. Well, back then that them being giants was that celebrity status that they had. 
Well, these men that they had children, they weren't having giants, but the same celebrity status that giants had back then were the same celebrity status that their sons had. They were mighty men, mighty men. They were strong. And not only were they strong, but they knew they were strong so much that they used it in a wicked way. No, you got some guys that's big, they strong, but they Christians. So they know not to use it in a certain kind of way. They know not to go too far. Even though they know they can just go in your pocket and take your money, they don't. Because they got Christ living in them. Well, these guys ain't have Christ living in them. So if they wanted to go in your pocket and take your money, you ain't going to have no lunch today. And that's just the way it was. So realize that these, they were having, they were using the things, the physical, uh, 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 I guess you can say advantage that they had in a wicked way. The next verse, it says, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Only evil continually, realizing that we, he's in a situation where these guys, they, everything that comes to their mind. See, you, sometimes you look at a person, you see their actions. God looking at the heart. God said, there ain't even no way that these guys going to change. Everything that they think of is, is, is bad. Everything that they think of is evil. Everything that they want to do is just, 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 just finding new ways to sin. God said, I got to get rid of them. I, they got to go. So he says, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Now, I want you to understand something. You would think, or you might ask the question, well, how come the, the, the godly men didn't take over the, uh, the unrighteous women? Why didn't they just bring them over and say, listen, let me show you how you're supposed to really live this thing. Don't we do that sometimes? We looking for a spouse? I'm going to change them. I'm going to change her. She need God in her life. He need God in his life. But according to my Bible, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 33, that be not deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. So if you, this ain't a superhero TV show. This ain't Spider-Man. This ain't Superman. Good don't prevail. I mean, it's going to prevail. But if you're getting with somebody that's evil, my Bible tells me that you're going to lose. Which means that don't be, don't, don't fool yourself. Stay with, stay with good, stay with good, right? Walk with those that are walking the same way you walk in. Don't set yourself up. And that's exactly what they did. Realize it says that, and they repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him in his heart. Now this repentance that the Lord is experiencing, it ain't the type of repentance that we experience. Don't dare think for a second, so oh, God repented, he must have sinned. No, he ain't sinned. See, when we, when we repent, there's a change that's happening. But the change that's happening is the, it's the change in our will. You know, we will ourselves, we, we were going to will ourselves to sin, but now we change and now we will ourselves to do what's right. Well, God is willing a change. He's opposite. He's, he said, you know what, I'm going to make a change in what I see that's going on down there. Right now, what I see is evil and I'm going to wipe them all out. We're going to start from scratch. Now, you look at it and it says in verse 7, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. He's destroying everybody. What did the dogs do? What the lions do? What the birds do? He's destroying them all. I like the only thing I can really think of to compare that to is like a, like a, a molded loaf of bread. You get a loaf of bread, and when you get the loaf of bread, you pull out one of them, and, it, and it's green. You just throw the whole thing away. 
Matter of fact, some of them, you pull it out and you, and you look at the bag and you can see the green from the inside. And you just throw the whole thing away. I don't want nothing in there. That's a, he must have looked like molded bread at first. He said, you know, I'm throwing it all away. He says, but in verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. See, God is just, he's just. He fair. He said, you know what, before I throw this whole loaf in the trash, I'm going to see if there's any good slices in there. So he take the bag, he open it, he dump all the slices out, and he looking through, he said, let me see, green, 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 green. Look what he, he found a white one. He found Noah. He see Noah. He said, oh, he's worth it. He's worth saving. I ain't going to destroy them all. They got a chance. My plan will prevail. Now, he knew it was going to prevail. Don't, don't get that twist. He knew it was going to prevail, but he's just trying to show you how just he is. He's trying to show you that this is what I was thinking, but this is what I did. God is just. Realize in this situation that it says that in verse 9, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. Generations and Noah walked with God. Now, real quick, that perfect, that ain't Jesus perfect. We ain't talking about sinless perfect. That perfect is, 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 is uh, completion. The purpose that he was supposed to uh, uh, fulfill, he had fulfilled, which was to live righteously and walk with God. So according to his purpose of life, he was perfect. He was fulfilling his purpose. We are to fulfill our purpose here on this earth. Now, mind you, this is all a build up to what he has to do. Right now, we're in a situation where we're in the same, same boat Noah was in. There's something coming. He don't know what it is yet, but God's going to tell him. God told us what's coming, and we're going to explain it in a minute. It says right here in verse number 13, we're going to drop down to verse 13. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. He told him. He said, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to destroy man because they are completely filled with sin. Then he says, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. This ark right here that he's saying, this is the ark of safety. This is what's going to be the place where they go for safety. Do you know that there's an ark of safety today? There's an ark of safety for you and your friends and your family. There's a place that you can go that can escape from the uh, devastation, the total destruction, the, annihil the annihilation of the human race. And it's called the church. Right. It's called the church. And he's letting him know that this is where everyone needs to be in order to escape from the flood. Right. Then he says to him that. Make thee an ark or make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark. And thou shalt pitch it with, within and without pitch. He wants him to set, the, set it in order. I want you to set that thing in order. I want you to divide it with rooms. Put floors in it. Put the pitch on the inside. Put the pitch on the outside. Now what the pitch was, it was like, a, like a, a, some type of waterproof solution to protect it from, from water getting in. and in. So you might ask yourself, why did God have to do that? He didn't. He didn't have to do that. Do you know God, if he wanted to, can just snap and everybody's going to be saved, be saved, and everybody's going to be dead, going to be dead. That's going to be it. That's what he wants to do. But he ain't like, he said, you know what? I need you to show me, because I'm just, that you deserve it. And not that you deserve it, but that you're willing to work for it. Show me that you love me. 
So he's telling him to do this because he wants some work to be done. I can do it all by myself, but I'm going to get you to help me out some. So he put it on there. He's putting everything together. He's putting everything in order the same way he tells us to put the church in order today. He wants us to protect the church. Meaning that when we see folk that ain't living right, he wants to go up to them and take them off to the side and talk to them. He wants us to uh, establish deacons and elders and ministers and teachers and raise people up to be told. He wants us to set it in order because it's supposed to do something. It got to save souls from eternal damnation. So while this is being set in order, now he's telling them what he needs to do next. Then he says, and God said unto Noah, the end of uh, uh, verse 15. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of, and breadth of, of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shall be, shall thou make to the ark, and then a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the Lord of the ark shall thou set, the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower, second, and third stories Shalt thou make? He said, put a door on the side of it so that people can get in. There's a door at the side of the, there's a door on the side of the church. Yeah, it's a door on the side. See, the church is the body of Christ. And when Christ was on the cross, they put a door right on the side with a spear. And out of that door came blood and water. How do you get into the church? You got to be covered by the blood. But the only way that you get in contact with the blood is you got to go down into the water. So you got a side. It's a side door, but it's back there in the water. That's how you get in on a side door of the church. Turn your Bibles real quick to 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to show you something real quick. 1 Peter chapter 3. And I'm going to start at verse 18. I'm going, to shut up, I'm going to set up some similarities of what you see back then and what you see now. I'm almost finished. I'm going to start at verse 18. It says, for Christ also have once suffered for sins. He came and he suffered for sins. Before you were suffering for sins, he suffered for sins. The just for the unjust and that he might bring us to God. Reconcile us. That's God's plan to reconcile us back to himself. Then he says, being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the spirit. He put him on the cross. They pierced him on the side. But then once he got in the tomb and he slept for three days, he rose again on the third day with all power in his hands. Then it says, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Then he got up and he preached. He talked. That's what we're supposed to be down here doing. We preaching. We talking to people. We showing them the word. We taking them the gospel. And we are living a Christ-like life that they can see, that they may see that we are the true children of God. Then it says in verse 20, which sometime were disobedient. Some of us mess up when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. The long suffering, the 120 years, that was the long suffering. It says yet, meaning that I should have destroyed you now, but I'm going to give you 120 years to get your mind right for you to repent. He does the same thing for us. He gave us longer than 120 years. What year are we on now? 2016. He said, I'm going to give you a chance to get it right. This is your long suffering period. Take full advantage. Then it says that while the ark was a preparing, while he was preparing the ark, right now we're preparing the church. We're getting everybody through the side door as, we, as, as much as we can. As many people as we can get in that side door, we're getting them in, preparing the ark of safety. Then it says, where in a few, 
That is, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure where even unto baptism, the side door, doth also now save us. Now, not putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you teach a person the gospel and you teach a person that when you die and your sins where I am, you cannot come. But if you are buried in the blood, if you are covered in water and you make contact with the blood and you go to judgment with the coat of Jesus Christ on that, you'll make it in. That's how you get onto the ark of safety. The question to you is that's God's plan for you is for you to be on the ark of safety. But that got to be taught to you. Satan's plan don't got to be taught to you. You born into that plan. The Bible says in Job that a man is a few days and he's filled with trouble. You born into the plan of Satan. But God's plan got to be taught to you. You know God's plan tonight. You know what God's plan is for you in the rest of your life. You got a decision to make. You're either going to walk in Satan's plan or you're going to walk in God's plan. Now, when you continue to read, you'll realize that he put all kind of things inside of the, the, the ark in order to set it to where it needed to be. A, a floor for the humans, floor for the clean animals, floor for the unclean animals, and which animals, which, how many to take, and so on and so forth. But we ain't going to get into that. All we're talking about is the ark. Are you in the ark? And if you're in the ark, you can always walk off the ark. Well, how do you walk off the ark? By not living your life according to this word. When you don't live your life according to this word, consider yourself off the ark. For my brothers and sisters that's not on the ark, this is your night to get on the ark. For my brothers and sisters that's on the ark, stay on the ark. I'm going to stay on the ark. You stay on the ark. That's the end of my sermon. Right now you heard the word of God. You heard what God has to say about the saving of man's souls. The decision is up to you. When you hear the word of God and you hear the gospel, you got to believe the word. Once you believe the word, once you believe what it says to be true, then you got to make a change. You got to will yourself to change from your unrighteous behavior to righteous behavior. Then you confess. Then you have a a state of of, of godly sorrow where you, you you ain't caring about secrets no more. You're just trying to let it all hang out. You're just trying to be transparent. You're just trying to show the folk that, listen, I'm finished. And you come and you confess the sweetest name on mortal tongue, which is the name of Jesus Christ, that he is the son of the living God. And then you're almost there and you get taken down into the side door of baptism. And you come up a new creature to walk, not at your old life, but at your new life. Because the Bible says that he that is willing to give up this old life or that wants to keep this old life, he's going to lose his new life. But if you let go of your old life, he got a new life of eternity waiting for you. If you want a new life, come on now as we stand and sing the hymn of invitation. Amen. Oh, to Jesus, I